Big Buck Registry's Big Buck Podcast, episode number 58, Buckmasters with Jackie Bushman. Big Buck Registry is a virtual museum of hunting stories. We preserve a piece of Americana by interviewing and recording hunters about their hunts and experiences from across the country. And who knows, maybe we'll learn a thing or two along the way that'll help us take our hunt to the next level. Hey y'all, Pat Hogan of North American Whitetail. Another morning, another traffic jam down here in Atlanta, Georgia. But I tell you what, we're about six weeks away from the start of bow season and that's got me thinking about western Kentucky. We'll be down there hunting with Mark Clifford at Premier Outfitters for, I think, the fourth year in a row this year, and I can't wait to get back. If you guys are looking for a great way to start the season or a great way to finish it, there's nothing like Western Kentucky when it comes to bow hunting. Check out Mark at Premier Outfitters. Hi, this is Sean Leptel with Heartland Bow Hunter. Hey, this is Michael Huntsucker with Heartland Bow Hunter. And you're listening to my favorite podcast on iTunes. The Big, Big Buck, Buck Registries Big, Big Buck, Buck Podcast. Podcast. Welcome to the show, everybody. This is Jay Scott, your host of the Big Buck Registries Big Buck Podcast. Thank you for joining us. And we have somebody else joining us right now. It's Dusty Phillips, our field correspondent from Ohio. What's happening, Dusty? Uh, not a whole lot. Just another beautiful day here in Ohio. Yeah. And we're getting jacked up about whitetail season that's just around the corner. Dude, you sent me that giant buck picture today. Is that just one you pulled off of the internet to make me feel bad, or is that yeah. one you actually pulled off of your own game camera? No, uh, no, it's just one I was kind of rubbing your butt about a little bit. You know, you sent me this spike, so I had to send something giant back. Of course. Of course. See, I always thought it would be funny if you, like, just as a prank to your buddies, you went out and took the SD cards out of your buddy's game camera if you knew how to get in there, if it's not locked up, or if you had a key. And you pull it out, you put in a bunch of pictures of some massive deer, and then just see what happens. <laughs> they, yeah, they that would probably get... Because <laughs> you know well, you could do it. Yeah, absolutely. And that I'm thinking now, I mean, this is totally... I'm going to make this happen. You just, just sparked this great idea on my head. I've created a monster. I think my brother, sorry, sorry, Matt, my, my brother is going to have uh, an SD card loaded. He like, oh, I, got, I got the best woods around. Um, isn't that the same guy we picked on before? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know. And you sure love your brother. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to hook him up. A couple... 170, 180 inch deer. Absolutely, yeah. Some two two twenties are going to show up in there. You know, <laughs> I kind of know the general area where his trail cams at, so I think I can find pictures. It's got right. like the same type of grass in the background. Right. And he's gonna be like, oh my god, he'll call me as soon as he gets. You, he'll call me. You won't believe it. <laughs> yeah, I got monsters out there. There are monsters in the woods. I'm gonna win the deer pool this year, Dusty. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you know, that's awesome. It could be a great prank if you do that. Let us know. Yeah, that's a good prank. Uh, what's going on at Chubby Tines Outdoors? Yeah, uh, just a, a lot of activity happening in the woods. You know, we're seeing some awesome pictures, and, and that we do a new thing called the Hit List for 2014. And nice, man, we're seeing some nice, nice bucks coming in. And uh, you know, everybody's starting to get the the itchy trigger finger, or release finger, whatever you want to call it. And I I think it's uh, starting to get the blood a pumping when people's looking at their trail cameras. Nice, we've been doing the Hit List on the big buck too. That's it's uh, it, the game cameras kind of make that happen like you don't even have to say hit list you know that's what's happening if they're sending in a picture it's good it's a good thing. oh yeah for yeah. sure you know just it's starting to see a lot more activity people are starting to get on mm-hmm. and talk a little bit of hunting and they're starting to get back in the groove of, of finding their, their favorite hunting pages and and get in contact with everybody and just see what's going on in other places you know they know what they got going and it's, it's almost like a preseason pattern type technique right yeah i think they're yeah. they're starting to kind of i've had a lot of people start talking about the season already um more so than they were earlier in the summer and oh yeah just i think that some the, the 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 temperature's changing some so you're starting to get some cool nights and people are saying hey this is awesome it's starting to feel like the fall kind of thing yeah starting to you know you're starting to feel it it's a natural your, your body just starts adjusting to hey you know season's not far around the corner maybe i ought to get this mineral out maybe i ought to get a little feed out if you're able to feed your deer herd. right maybe right. i ought to start doing some things maybe i start checking my stands and seeing what's going on out there you know 
know, and, it, and that's starting to happen. It's for sure starting to happen. I'm getting texts daily of guys going out saying that they're uh, getting in the woods and they're checking out their setups and doing a little bit of trimming. We talked last time not to, to over-groom your, your tree stand area. That, that, you know, that, that sets you up for a big fail. Right, right. I'm looking forward to the Chubby Tines tip of the week this week, by the way. Yeah, it's going to be uh, another good tip of the week. And uh, hopefully, you know, somebody takes the tips and, and makes something happen at their setup. Very cool. Um, I really want to read this letter that I got from Mark Simon. And I asked him if I could share his letter that he sent in. And this is just to describe the power of a podcast, especially ours. I got this letter from Mark, and he says, um, he writes, My hometown bow shop, Plum Creek Archery, in Dyersville, Iowa, recently had a grand reopening celebration. They brought in a country duet to perform and hand out prizes. When I arrived, I saw the picture of the country music duet act, and they had another picture of a giant buck one of them harvested last fall, and this is when I put it all together. It was Carrie and Billy. I felt like I knew Billy Arnold from listening to your podcast. Billy was very approachable before his show, and I approached him and hollered, Hey, I just listened to you on the Big Buck podcast last week. He had great things to say about you guys, and before long, we were sharing deer stories, and he was showing me his trail cam pics. He also told me how his buck didn't get crowned the record buck of Tennessee because he used illuminated knocks. What a bummer. That's too bad. Anyway, what a small world thought you would enjoy that story. I just started listening to your podcast last month. When people see me jogging down the street with my MP3 player, the last thing they probably think I'm listening to is a podcast about deer hunting. Isn't that funny? That is hilarious. You know, <laughs> that is a absolutely most last thing that would pop in my head and see somebody jogging down the road to. Right. But isn't that amazing? Here we are in different parts of the world, different parts of the country, and we've connected Billy Arnold with Mark Simon, who's hanging out at his local archery shop just one day. And there they, there they are. And he's felt like he knows this guy just because we interviewed him. That's crazy, isn't it? You That's know, that, the best. That, that is the best. It's totally awesome, and we appreciate you sending that letter in. Yeah. Thank you very much, Mark. Um, so who do we have on the show today, Dusty? <laughs> oh, man. Jackie Bushman. Oh, the Jackster. That's awesome. Jackie Bushman from Buckmasters. Yeah, how sweet is that? You know, what a legend. What what a guy that does some great things for the industry, you know. And if, you, if you're not familiar with Buckmasters, check them out. Buckmasters has been a name that has resonated in the hunting industry, deer hunting industry, for some time now. He's created an empire. Um, he's created a great name for himself. I remember watching Buckmasters TV shows way back and talk about somebody that has just formed the industry. I mean, he is a godfather in this this industry, much like uh, Ted Nugent would be. Um, just amazing, amazing gentleman. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and what an honor it is to have Jackie join us right here on the podcast. Um, let's get him on, man. Absolutely. Jackie Bushman, welcome to the Big Buck Registry's Big Buck Podcast. Appreciate it. Glad to be with you. Well, we're psyched to have you. This is uh, this is an honor to have you on our show. Uh, we have a tremendous amount of respect for you and your organization, and I know all of our audience is going to be thrilled to listen to the show. Well, we've been doing this thing a long time, Jay. I mean, it's... I think going on 29 years is what somebody told me. I was afraid to ask, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I was a tennis professional. That's what I used to do. I made a living uh, teaching tennis. I played professional back in the 70s and got to about top 125 in the world. And you couldn't make any money back at 125 in the world. You had to be in top 30. But now if you're top 125 in the world, you make some good money. But uh, right. uh, but I, I got a chance. I had a contact. I was running a, a professional uh, tournament here in Montgomery, and then I was doing a, a, a tournament with my dad called the Blue Gray, and the, the person that was uh, basically sponsoring the tournament was Perry Mendel. He was the founder of Kinecare Corporation, and uh, he asked me what I wanted to do besides hit tennis balls to kids and old ladies the rest of my life, and I said, well, Ray Scott is a good friend of mine who started the Bassmasters, who's yeah. here also from... He's also from Montgomery, Alabama, and his sons and daughters were a part of uh, Auburn University with fraternity brothers, and uh, his daughter was the sweetheart of our fraternity, so we were just good friends, and I watched what he did with the Bassmasters, and I just wanted to do something very similar to the Bassmasters uh, and do it to the deer hunting twist, so Mr. Mendel was nice enough to put up the money, and uh, it was basically up to me to make it go, and uh, 
we first started out because uh, we had no magazine. It's kind of in fact, deer and deer hunting was our first magazine. I had a hat and a bottle of Tinks, uh, <laughs> Tink sixty nine, and a sticker, and I wrote a newsletter that I stuck in the subscription of Deer and Deer Hunting magazine. Believe it or not, for for one year. And uh, is that right? Interesting. Yeah. So and then they made a decision to go on and start the Buckmasters magazine in nineteen eighty seven. And uh, once we got started, we you know we were kind of off to the races, but. Since I didn't have a magazine, I didn't have much circulation, we started with a promotional event. And I guess that's where the tennis part of me, I was running tournaments and this and that. I just switched it over to the outdoor side of a promotional event. And we had a deal called the Buckmasters Classic, which we did that for 15 years. And uh, it was basically uh, done very similar to the NBC Superstars event where you had different events and different athletes, you know, whether it was swimming or track or this or that. Well, I just spun that around and I had... I had Buckmaster members, outdoor writers, and um, uh, various celebrities, whether it was Bo Jackson or Dale Earnhardt or Davey Allison, Jeff Foxworthy, Jim Varney. I mean, I could go on and on about uh-huh. all the celebrities we had. And they basically came into the Southern Sportsman's Hunting Lodge, which was just west of Montgomery, my hometown here. And uh, we had hatchet throwing, knife throwing, skeet shooting, rifle shooting, bow shooting. We had an obstacle course. We had bow and air golf, and everybody was on a team. And they did all these uh, events, and then you would have a winner. But the guys were there hunting, uh, you know, also three or four days. And we had band day on Saturday where everybody did the event. So that's really what got Buckmasters on the map as far as, you know, it was the Bo Nose there, you know, Bo Nose. And, uh, right, you know, right. Bo was down there, shot the biggest deer. He also learned how to shoot a bow right there because Jay Bars was the Olympic gold medalist at that time and had Bo shooting a out at 60 yards in 30 minutes so and and then dale earnhardt was a nascar champion and you know he was winning the obstacle course on the four-wheeler and you know it could just go on and on wade boggs was hitting baseballs to every sign out there i mean it was and it was just it was the biggest event of its kind and and uh we did it for 15 years and that got us the exposure and got us the sponsors and you know we were able to start out with a, a really nice magazine uh, because, you know, we didn't have to start out as a newspaper or anything. We had four-color ads because the sponsors want to be part of the classics. So uh, it, it was an interesting way to get started off. But basically my tennis career and the promotional side is what got this uh, whole organization started. Gotcha. So you, you started out playing tennis. Were you playing tennis in high school kind of thing? Or I played tennis as a junior. I was uh, I was ranked number one in the state of Alabama. My dad was a big – my dad was a Davis Cup coach way back. You know, I was the vice president of the USTA and – uh, was a world class player in his day, and uh, gotcha. I, I really couldn't play in his league. But I, I was first All American at uh, at Auburn and All SEC, and then, as I said, played the professional circuit uh, in seventy what seventy three or four through seventy eight. So. No kidding. So you're competitive by nature, it sounds. Oh, absolutely. As I said, I, I played basketball and, and tennis all my life growing up, uh, and my dad did the same thing. So. It really, uh, yeah, yeah, competitive, competitive would be at least would be a would be the nice word, I guess. That's so, the understatement. Gotcha. Is the understatement? That's right. Gotcha. So, what was high school like? Were you uh, a popular kid, or you in a clique, or your athlete? What? Which? Where well, were you? Well, I kind of stayed out of trouble. You know what I'm saying? I I just played sports. Uh, you yeah. know, starting guard for the basketball team and did that. And I think sports kept me out of trouble. Uh, and and I hunted. You know, so I had all that. And you know. I I was very rare. I had braces on through uh, my senior year in high school, so uh, didn't have a whole bunch of dates going on in those times. You know, I had a few, uh-huh. but you know, it's it's kind of tough when you get braces on in the tenth grade and don't get them off to the twelfth grade. So um, yeah, oh yeah, one of those classic braces pictures from from the old yearbook. <laughs> I I totally know what you're talking about. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I used to lead the cheer. Uh, you know, we used to have. I used to lead the pep rallies and stuff, and you'd look out in the audience. Everybody put aluminum foil in their mouth and smile. So. <laughs> Uh, they, they they hurt me pretty good, but no, I really I, I really enjoyed high school, and uh, as I said, and uh, playing on the basketball team, I was captain of the basketball team, and I was the first one in our city here to win the state high school championship uh, in tennis. So, gotcha. Uh, high school was it, was it was a good run. Were you voted most likely to succeed? I don't remember all that no. uh, part of it. I was voted captain of the team, though. Gotcha. So, so you, could you attribute all your your athletic um, uh, drive to where you are today? Do you think that's absolutely okay? I've said that many a time because, I mean, basically, we're in the advertising business, which is very, very competitive, and all. Uh, 
you know, I think uh, the words no and I can't were never in my vocabulary, you know, when I first got started. Uh, there, there's been, what, five or six different people that's tried to start a deer hunting association, and I just wasn't going to let the words no and I can't uh, come in there. And uh, I guess I was just too dumb to figure out I couldn't do it, but I just kept going. And, and you know, the drive, there's no such thing as eight to five. I mean, you know, you got to sell something. You got people to, you know, to have to believe in that you could pull something off because really they didn't need to take a risk on me. I mean, I was going out selling this concept and I was fortunate I got five sponsors in the first year. And once I did the first classic, wow, I had 20 sponsors the next year. And then I had the folks from Gaylord uh, come down from TNN. Uh, to talk about doing the first hunting show ever on cable television since the old American sportsman. So sure. uh, all of that kind of got me in the door. Uh, and when the folks flew down here, they told me the things they didn't want to see on television. And before they even said that, I said, this is what we'll do. This is what we won't show. And back in those days, we won't show the impact. Uh, we won't show any blood. We won't show any field dressing. Uh, and we'll be very respectful as to that. And that was the whole list they had right there. And they said, well, let's do our first hunting show. And that's, we were the first one. We stayed out there for five years. It was the highest-rated show on TNN across all networks. And uh, it was just, I don't know if it was because of me and my acting for any reason, but it, it was just a lifestyle that was starving for that. They already had five fishing shows out there, sure. but there was no hunting shows. What, what year now, was this, Jackie? That was, uh, I did the pilot in 1988, and then uh, then the first uh, full series for Buckmasters was 89. So I gotcha. think we're going into our 28th or 29th year of television. I think that's right. That's crazy. So you started now, started out with just a uh, you you put a an ad in Deer and Deer Hunting magazine. Did I hear you say that correctly? No. What we were doing is that when you joined Buckmasters, you got a subscription to Deer and Deer Hunting ah, magazine. Gotcha. So and you, I personally wrote a newsletter, a Buckmasters newsletter, which I stuck in each one of those. That was basically my tips and tactics and stuff. Gotcha. All right. And that's how we got started. We probably did two or three thousand members, and then the Deer and Deer Hunting folks at that time you know they decided they wanted to go another direction and basically forced us to do our own magazine or basically get out of it and that's what we did we we, we did our own magazine gotcha because you and were I, getting that came big out enough. in 87 yeah. gotcha so from there you launched the Buckmaster magazine that was like the foundation of your organization at that point exactly and then when, you know, and we probably had, you know, I used to go and, and sitting in all these trade shows, I'd have a little eight by 10 selling Buckmaster members and this and that. And, you know, I bet you we were up to, you know, five or 6,000 or something, we doing that. And then uh, once we went to television, that's where we just blew it out. We went right. somewhere like eight or 10,000 members to 50 or 60,000, then up to a hundred, over a hundred thousand by the second year of television. So uh, TV was just so powerful. That but was, now, yeah. you know, the whole, TV thing has completely changed. I mean, you've got, you know, all the cable television is fragmented now. I mean, we used to do a million households, you know, in one airing. Now you're lucky to get 300,000 households in six airings just because it's fragmented. But it's also... You know, with the Outdoor Channel, that's where we are and been there for uh, for, for years. You, you do have the hunting enthusiasts there, you know what I'm saying, compared right. to where TNN, you might have just, you know, just people. You'll have hunters, fishermen, and all that. So right. it's just more of a concentrated audience now. And, uh, and now there's 360-something hunting shows and, and counting in, what, four different hunting networks that go 24-7. So. Right. We kind of were the pioneer in, in that part of it, so uh, it's just really interesting to see how TV, and, and we're still a player out there and still doing very well with it, so we're, we're still excited about it. And I still Absolutely. have a passion. I, I really enjoy what we do. Uh, uh, I still have a passion to hunt, and uh, when I when I get tired of that, then I'll, I'll get out of it, but I still really have a, a, a big passion and a big fan base out there that enjoys what we do. I suspect they'll be, they'll be pulling you out of the tree stand when you're dead. That's what I'm guessing. <laughs> Oh. I really do. You know, I tell you what. Thank God for those hunter safety system vests, and stuff because the older I get, <laughs> that twenty-four foot looks a little higher. So I like those ground blind vests. But uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, we used to sit on on, on two by fours and stuff with little nails and climb up on the limbs. I remember all the early days and stuff. You know, but uh, safety is is number one as far as I'm concerned. Boy, they've really the technology. They've really taken that to the next level. So gotcha. Now, back when TNN was pursuing the the beginning of the Buckmaster TV show, uh -huh. and they were giving you rules. How did you feel about that when it first started? 
I had no problem because, as I said, when they came to me, I gave them the rules that I said I wanted to do a show. Yeah. And and they went, wow, look at the list. We were coming. See, everybody was afraid. You know what I'm saying? It's, sure. just, it's a sensitive subject, though. And, you know, when you go on national television, I mean, you know, sh- uh, shooting a game animal is a personable thing. So, uh, you know, the impact shot, uh, you know, it, it can be it can be offensive to some folks. So, uh, And even now, with even with the Outdoor Channel, I mean, we're very, you know, uh, conscious of, you know, how we address the animal and the things we say and the things we sure. don't show. Uh, I edit for two people. I've said this, and I've done it for 28 or 29 years. I edit for the non-hunter, and I, and I edit the show for the hunter because there's a lot of people sitting on the couch watching the show. They might not hunt, might never hunt, but if they understand why we hunt, if they ever had to go to the voting booth, I want them to have a positive impression of watching our show and not being offended by anything. Gotcha. That's just been my rules. Do you think that those rules should apply to others today, or is it is it these are your rules and everybody else can do their own thing? Well, you know, this is America, okay? But I was fortunate that, uh, as I said, I was the big fan of the American sports and Kurt Gowdy and Grits Crush. Oh yeah. And, and Grits was a you know was a good friend of mine and came to two or three of my Buckmasters and you know again I was headed a different direction and he kind of brought me back you know and you know I take constructive criticism very well and you know he explained to me when they went out and was doing a hunting show remember we're only 10% of the population right uh, there's another 10% that are basically animal rights folks that don't that are really trying to get rid of what we do the other 80% of the folks they don't hunt they don't fish but they will make the decisions on whether we will or we won't so hmm. that is the thing that grits really you know instilled in me is that you know you know represent the sport in a positive way show the positive aspects of what we do you know the role of the hunting sportsman the fisherman because without us you don't have the abundant wildlife it all comes from us it doesn't come from any other group you know the all the you know the Pittman Robertson Act all the taxes that we're spending on our hunting and fishing equipment goes back into conservation you know man is a predator we're no different than a mountain lion or a bobcat or whatever without con- control to recreational hunting we can't keep our you know our wildlife populations in balance so right. you know i am a very big believer of sharing our story because we have a great story uh, and, you know, as I said, without the hunters and, and fishermen, you wouldn't have the wildlife. There's not one red cent that any animal rights group has ever put into conservation to, to save anything. And I said, if you let emotions and politics uh, run our conservation departments, we'll, we will never have our sports because the biologists are there. They're the ones that went to school. You know, here in Alabama, you can shoot a, a doe a day and you can shoot three bucks in a year. Okay, but say you go out west, you might only be able to take one deer. Well, that's all because of the populations and the biologists tell the hunters what they need you to take to balance the herds and stuff. So right. I always say let the professionals make the decisions. Keep emotion and politics out of conservation. Right. And we'll have a, a we'll be able to pass this thing on to many generations. Why do you think the anti-hunter doesn't realize that where does that i don't know if they're brought up and the households are brought up they they, they don't understand it because i can promise you and jeff fox will tell you the same thing you let me sit down without a bunch of folks screaming and hollering and you know all that and you let me sit down with somebody that has common sense and let me lay out the story of what a hunter and a fisherman is all about compared to an animal rights agenda and i'll guarantee you 90 percent of them will go golly you're exactly right I mean, it's the problem is they try to get informed, but if you watch them, basically they're always bouncing around. They're, they got to raise money. That's what they're about. They've got to find emotional topics to raise money on. And if you've watched them, they've really kind of gotten out of whack. When they went against fishing, that really was like, wow, come on, guys. You know what I'm saying? They were dressed right. up as big fishes in front of the fishing tournaments, and you know, it's just it, you just got to watch their campaigns. Uh, you know, I would I would put out an olive leaf to them. I say, hey, why don't we take some of your money and let's try to put in some pro programs that'll help stop poaching you know you got so many people out there that are out there taking animals you know out of season selling you know uh to the black market animal parks and stuff like that that's the things that we need help on and you know a lot of our conservation departments are underfunded you know i'd love to take some of that money and do that but they've got their agenda uh you know they've stopped a few things they've stopped mountain lion hunting and some things out west 
in the Pacific Northwest. Well, hey, those, I mean, the hikers and the bikers have been, you know, killed by mountain lions. Well, those things have been reversed now. You just can't let emotions and politics make decisions on wildlife conservation. And right. that's why we have the professionals in our conservation departments and our biologists. They're the ones that tell us what we need to do. Let them do their job. Let us, I mean, we all love wildlife. That's what they don't understand. We love the wildlife that we hunt. And we're, we're willing to put our time, our effort, and our revenue to keep that going for generations. Right. That just bothers me that somebody doesn't see that. But it's our job at Buckmash. That's what we try to do is put a, the positive side on what we do as hunters. It's just not all about shooting a deer. Uh, you know, you've got the family side of it. You can, you know, spend family time. Look at the fastest growing thing out there, Jay, is women. We've got more women right. involved in the sport. Right. It used to be a men's only sport. Now the guys are inviting the gals. Well, now if you watch the media, we've got some of the best female outdoor celebrities out there on television, and they're such great role models to these young girls. Absolutely. They're going after the girl hunters now because that is their base. Eighty percent right. of the animal rights groups are women, and now their base is being torn because women are getting what we do and they enjoy what we do. They're flocking to you know getting uh, out and shooting shotguns and shooting pistols and getting into the hunting scene. So that's where they're seeing their base eroding right now because it's cool for women they get it they understand it so uh, mm. that's that's just my point of view right yeah it seems like perhaps that's the that's the uh, the drive behind the michelle bachman situation yep. and, and the kendall jones situation exactly yeah i mean once i saw that i went go, go girls y'all y'all keep rock and roll i said that's what they're after they're intimidated they got a pretty girl out there that have shot some animals right there these girls get it but that's their base because they don't want to see pretty girls out there hunting and, and fishing and, 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 and showing other women, hey, well, wait a minute now, though. That's a that's a fine young lady right there. She's a fine young lady in her community. She's involved as a cheerleader. She's this and that. And she's hunting? Well, hey, it must be okay. Right. I mean, hunters come from all walks of life. It's not just a bunch of old rednecks. Absolutely. That's the funny thing, is, and it's something I don't think we touch on enough, is that, um, yeah, yeah, sure, rednecks hunt and all that stuff. But I'm a redneck. I hunt, but absolutely. I'm a good old boy. But there, are, there are a lot of people that that I wouldn't necessarily put in the redneck category that hunt too. Yeah. Um, neighbor up the road, for example, shot a deer and find, I found out the other day that he's hunted for years uh, and he was driving around with his deer on the top of his Subaru for quite a while. Right. You know, but he is far from a redneck. He is not exactly. somebody I would con- consider that. And, and now you've got the, the, the women and hunting is not gender specific. Nope. Not at all. So to see them, yeah. them being highlighted but also targeted by the antis is, uh, that's a little disappointing, but. Well, that's the reason. I mean, there's no question. Uh, that is the reason they're going after them. It's fine. And I talked to, to Melissa and I just saw the, the news thing on the other young lady from Texas, but that's, that is the reason. If you go all under the scenes, that is the number one reason is that they're going after them because they're pretty young ladies. Right. And, uh, that's the base of the animal rights are women. Well, I, I hope that they turn that right around on them and, and, just give it to them. That's really what no I'm question. They will. Well, yeah. I mean, the industry already has. So. Right. As Absolutely. I said, if you look at how many female hosts there are out there on outdoor television, there's a bunch, and I'm I'm very proud of all of them. Oh yeah, me too. That good. Uh, they're they're just such an inspiration to these young girls out there. And I always tell you know I tell everybody now, it's a family store. It's not a men's zone. It's a men's club. It's time to open it up. And I've got a little girl. I, I never dreamed my little girl would ever want to go hunt. And uh, right. she finally said, Dad, I'd like to go. And you know I, I didn't make her. I didn't do anything. But she kind of got the bug. And you know when she was 12 or 13, shot a few deer, and then. She started chasing the boys between 15 and, and 20. Then she came back at right. 22 years old and said, Dad, I'll have to go again. So, But she understands it. I mean, that's the thing is that she understands it. And, you know, and, and all these girls can be disciples out there to, to the other girls out there right. that maybe are hearing a different message. Doesn't that make you feel great as a father to hear those words from your daughter? It sure does. Dad, I'll tell I want to hunting. And I've, I've sat with her, and she'd been on TV with me, you know, for four or five times on a hunt. And, shoot, I was more nervous when that deer coming up with her, you know, with, <laughs> on the gun than I oh, was, yeah. you know, she's pulling the trigger. But it was just to watch her be involved and get excited. And, you know, you, it's just priceless. You can't, you know, you can't put a dollar figure on on, yeah. on the feeling of this. But, uh, right. 
it's a great sport. I love it, and I'm not afraid in, uh, at any point to hide from what we do and our lifestyle because I think it's a great lifestyle. The economic impact off off the hunting and fishing is it's in the billions. Okay, the, the the folks that are employed in just our industry is close to a million people. All the little small towns, and you know, from the gas stations, you know, to the little grocery stores. I mean, that's the economic impact is in the billions. So that's all I'm saying. What we bring to the table is is a is a industry that's bigger than you know 40 or 50 of the top you know 500 fortune 500 companies i mean people if you look at the you know just the economic side of it so from the economic the social and the conservation it's a no-brain right so you you got the inspiration for the name buckmasters from Bassmasters. is that kind of where it came from Right, exactly. Ray Scott's here, and yeah. as I said, he, they, they've got a great organization. Still doing, we do we do some business and, and do some things with the Bassmasters. Uh, uh, Bass been around what close to forty years now, or more, and we're, we've been around what twenty eight, twenty nine years now. Right, Jackie. When did the scoring system for big rack bucks come into play with Buckmasters? We did that. That's been a while back. Russell Thornberry uh, brought that in, and uh, it's kind of it's an alternative scoring uh, system that you know uh, the Ben and Crockett and the Pope and Young guys do a great job and got a great program. But it's based on perfect symmetry. Well, a lot of these big deer that are just great bucks are penalized because of perfect symmetry. So we've just kind of given an alternative to get some more deer. You know that that can't get recognized the other way. They can get recognized in our scoring system. I think we've got over fourteen thousand entries in our in a full credit scoring system so we basically said what what got it you know god gave it to growth we don't discount it so it's full full credit scoring system right uh, speaking to some of the buckmaster scores i really believe that they are some of the most loyal people in the industry and and that they just talking to them they don't want to jeopardize their credentials with buckmasters at all they cherish that uh well, does, a- how does that come from that's just a big deal. I mean, they believe in what we're, we've been trying to accomplish, you know, over the years. And, and that's just to be a, an association that is, is willing to spread the gospel about what we do. Uh, and, you know, we've got our magazine, which, you know, to me, it, it, I just get tickled when I see letters come in that, hey, you know, I picked up a tip and I got my first deer from reading Bugmasters. Or I watched the TV show over the years and I, I picked something up right there and I was able to get my first deer. I mean, that makes me more proud than anything. So right. it's more or less, you know, surrounding yourself with good people and, and, and believe it in the cause. And uh, I think we've done that. Hey, we need to continue to do that. We need to get more of this 20 to 35 year old uh, folks, you know, more involved now. Uh, you know, as a crowd gets a little older, we've got to get that new generation, you know, in you right. know, our, a lot of these associations across the country. So gotcha. uh, I think that's our next big project is really trying to, uh, try to attract that that younger audience gotcha do you consider yourself a celebrity i don't uh you know it always flatters me that people come up and you know would want to take a picture or want to you know maybe sign their hat or do this or that i mean it's just i don't see myself until i get out in the airports and all that i mean i just watch the tv show here in the edit suite and I, I don't know that that many people have watched the show but whether I'm in a restaurant or walking down the beach or somebody comes up, man, I, I love the show. We've been watching it. You know, most of them go, yeah, I've been watching it since I was in diapers. And I was going, well, it's been on a while. But no, I, I put my pants on like everybody else. I just happen to be on television. Right. It's, you know, Buckmaster's been around. It's ingrained in the American society, especially relative to hunting. And uh, I think it's, I hope it goes on for a very, very long time. It's such a important role model in, in what we do as hunters. So um, definitely hope you just keep it going for a long time well i appreciate it and, and it's i just got something started in the members of the association so um we hope anybody listening today if they're not a member we'd love to have them i mean it's, it's what we've tried to accomplish over the years and, and with our various programs is you know the thing that i'm most proud of is our disabled program you know, we've taken now close to seven thousand disabled folks to the field and bought them adaptive equipment and that comes just from the, the strength of the membership what's the name of that program that's the Buckmasters American Deer Foundation. Okay. And part of that has our life hunts, which is our hunts for our terminal ill kids, our disabled hunters, which could be adults and kids. And then we've got our new program called Taking Heroes Hunting. That's our wounded soldiers, and we've taken close to 200 soldiers out right now. So those are the things personally that I really have gotten into. I used to work with disabled kids when I was in college, when I was playing tennis and stuff. So. It really, I got a chance to come back and be involved, you know, in a different way, but do it through the hunting way. And to, 
to to see these kids come in and you know just to know what they've gone through personally in their life and just to see the smiles on their faces and us being able to find them adaptive equipment and them to be able to get back to the outdoors and shoot their first deer. I mean, it's it's just priceless. And right. those are the shows that people really, you know, really understand what Buckmasters is about. So, uh, sure, we got the magazine and all that, but this is what we stand for, is to be able to help people in need and, and share the message out there. But uh, that's been a positive. And, you know, our Project Venison program, Jay, we started in 1991. We fed over 5 million people. Uh, either through our, you know, venison donations or our Buckmasters Expo, where we have a canned donation to come in the door. So uh, that's incredible. We just try to be very community, you know, minded, and 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 just let people know that hunters are good people. They come from all walks of life, and uh, they're not what some folks try to make us out to be. So when you started the magazine back in the '80s, did you ever envision it becoming what it is today? I had no clue. I I just did. I did not have a clue to know you know, where we could take it. And, uh, you know, to be over 200,000 members is, wow, that's amazing. Right. Uh, and we got 20,000 life members that, you know, have been part of us. But, uh, you know, you want to be part of something uh, that you're proud of and, and, you know, and stands for something. So, um, and I've always tried to say that. I mean, we, we want to be there for the deer hunter. We want to be able to entertain them. We want to be able to educate them. And we want to be able to stand up for them, whether it's for our hunting rights, whether it's our gun rights, and, and know they got a voice right there. And we, you know, with the old Buckmasters Classic to bring in the, the Bo Jacksons, the Dale Earnhardts, the Foxworthys. That was our way of bringing in, because the animal rights were going to get all these movie stars, we were trying to go get the ball players and the, you know, the guys that really resonated to, to the outdoor public out there to say, hey, you know, I'm Jeff Foxworthy, I hunt. I'm Bo Jackson, I like to hunt. Well, how many people were influenced by bringing them to the Buckmasters? So right. that's what we've tried to do over the years is, is get our influencers out there to the masses and tell them that hunting and fishing is cool. Right. What year was the first Buckmaster Classic. 1987. 1987. And you went from organizing tennis events to organizing the Buckmaster Classic. How did you go about getting celebrities to come to the event um, when it was the first of its kind, really? Right. It was, it's, it's kind of funny. Uh, I, I had a few contacts and then, uh, there's a good friend of mine named Tony Adams, uh, who had heard about the event and he used to play professional football. So he knew a lot of the football guys and, um, I had a, a baseball player, Jody Davis, uh, he used to play for Chicago Cubs. He'd heard about it and called me, and then he said, well, look, I know Rick Sutcliffe, and that's when the Cubs had won the, you know, their, their pennant that year. Uh, and then uh, they knew Dale Earnhardt hunted with them, so Dale called me, and then uh, Bo Jackson's person heard about it, so they called me. So we had about, you know, five or six celebrities the first year, and they had so much fun they wanted to come back. I said, well, hey, here's the deal. You can come back if you bring me another celebrity, you know. So it just, they started recruiting the celebrities out there that hunted, and we got country music involved, and, you know, we had NASCAR involved, we had motion picture involved, we had professional baseball, Wade Boggs is a partner of Buckmasters, uh, you know, and wow. Wade knew all the ball, baseball players, so it just, it was just kind of a word of mouth because it was a fun event. But most of all, they knew what the event was about, and they wanted to be part of it and just say, hey, I'm not afraid to go out there and say, uh-huh, I'm proud of it. So, right. Uh, that's how I got started. That's excellent. And the only reason it ended is because we lost a lot of our celebrities. A lot of them have passed away. I mean, you know, we lost Dale and Davey and Jim Varney and stuff. But the make, when the Make-A-Wish Foundation quit honoring hunts for kids, that's when we stepped in and said, hey, we'll just do a different format. And that's when we stepped over and started doing that. Gotcha. Do you think it could be redone today in a different way, or do you think that it's you're going to continue on with the uh, where the Make a Wish wouldn't support? Well, that's the hunts. pretty special. I mean, yeah. that one's uh, pretty special to my heart. I don't know if we could do two. I mean, I guess could I tell you the problem is now because Saturday was the media day. It's really tough to get the wrestlers and a lot of the folks scheduled in. You know, that was my gotcha. hardest problem is scheduling these folks, but. You know, this thing is really, you know, taking on its own deal with a with a terminal hunt and our soldiers hunt. So that, and we do have celebrities in for that. I've, I've had David Robertson, uh, the pitcher for the Yankees. I had Craig Kimball down here. So we still do have a few celebrities. We just don't have as many. Gotcha. You've been successful creating everything that you've done, from tennis to hunting and television show. Have there any? Have there been any failures along the way that you can point at? Oh yeah. I mean, you know, we fail every day at something, but you just bounce back up. As I said, we're in the advertising business, and it's been tough here the last few years, no question about it. But, I mean, we've got a great product, and we still have 
folks out there that you know want to advertise and want to be part of it. I remember we did a country music album uh, one time, and it didn't do very good. We kind of got into the music. <laughs> gotcha. We got in the music business, which is not our business, so we got out of that as quick as we got in it. So, right, right. Uh, but um, you know, we tried a few things here or there. You know, maybe a book here that didn't work or or something, but. You know, you try to learn from your mistakes and listen, and, and hopefully you don't stump your toe too many times. But uh, Right. It's better you know, to so. try and fail than to not try at all. Oh, absolutely. I remember when I came out with the, with the Jackie Bushman show. Oh, my gosh. And now with the social media and stuff. I mean, you know, I, I wanted to do a talk show, you know, and I wanted to, uh, and I and incorporated a game. I had a game show, which was called Who's the Buckmasters. Yep. I did a deal kind of like Candid Camera where we were doing pranks. We had a, a guest on there, which I interviewed, and we went hunting and stuff. So I had a live audience, and we did that. Oh, my gosh. I mean, you would have thought uh, they were going to run me out of town by listening <laughs> to some of the people on social media. Oh, my gosh. And then to end up, we won fan favorite, you know, the Golden Moose fan favorite for the for the show that year. So that's crazy. You know, the one thing I've I've learned, you just can't please everybody. And you know, I, I, I'm a big pet peeve. Of I want to please everybody. I want everybody to be a fan and stuff. But right. you know, just that's just not the case. Uh, uh, but we just I wake up every morning, and the good Lord gives me a chance to get back up and and just go do the best I can, and uh, and hope people like what we do. But if they don't, they've got other choices out there as far as outdoor television. And stuff we got some good people out there doing some good work so uh i just want to be part of it and you know i feel like i'm like uh tom watson you know i was just watching last night they were on, on the golf channel and, you know he almost won the british open at 59 years old he was one putt away but i mean you know he could still compete on the on the tour at that i, I feel the same way I, I still have a passion and i know all the got all these young guns coming in they're doing a great job but i can still compete out there so and I still had the passion to do the outdoor television. I like to hear that competitive edge still inside you. I can hear it coming out. That's excellent. Oh, yeah. I love that. Um, so the other programs that you have going on, you're doing the life hunts, um, you're doing the kids, you're doing taking the heroes hunting. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else you got going on? Well, that's uh, that's the main part, and, and that takes a lot of organization. We have like twenty five to thirty banquets one you know one nighters you know that we raise money for those projects and. Uh, uh, we just do one TV show on, on, on our terminal hunt, but that kind of gets the you know appetite for people across the country to get involved in our local chapters and stuff. So uh, that's a big deal. Uh, we got the Buckmasters Expo. That's our big promotional event uh, that we do. Uh, we started it out in the in the Georgia Dome. We had a live country concert. We had a professional archery tournament. Had an amateur archery tournament in the top part of the Georgia Dome, and then we had all the 300 exhibitors there on you know on the main floor right there. So. That's a big event, uh, and then we brought it back here to Montgomery, Alabama. So it's been going on 20 years. We'll have 30 to 40 thousand people that'll come in from all over the country to to be part of that for the weekend, and that's one of our big big events for the year. So we're always excited about that. It's third weekend of August, and we still got country music acts, but I'm just not, I got out of that business as far as having you know charging tickets and all that stuff. Sure. We we got Travis Tritt this year. Travis was with us 20 years ago, so gotcha. we're bringing Travis back. So what about but, the 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 Buckmasters indoor 3D? What's that all about mm-hmm. well that's a cool deal uh i invented that game right there uh you know in the bass masters if you know you know they got fishing tournaments they're doing that and they have a catch and release program so i don't believe in any uh tournaments out there you know they're shooting animals for prize or prize money i just think that's just not the way to go but i was watching the movie dirty harry uh and they were going through that police time so their friend foe deal they're popping up targets and yeah. you either shoot it or you don't shoot it so I was sitting there one night and I said, wow, I, w- I want to take that, that, the mechanism that's popping those, you know, burgers up or whatever it was, and I want to put a deer on that thing and pop it up. So right. I got to the office Monday and I tracked it down and I called it. I think it was in Michigan. And uh, I, I told him, I said, look, don't hang up. I, I want to put a deer target on that thing and pop it up and you make it happen. So make a long story short, we got it up there and they got that deer on there and they got it where it could pop up. And then, we kind of went through having to figure out, I wanted a black hit sensor pad, uh, basically in the vital. So if the bullet or the air hit it, it made it drop. If it missed it, it kept the target up. So it was kind of like a pinball, you know, kind of game. So we went a long way, and this is where Bo Jackson, I always say this, the, the Bo Jackson really helped me invent the game, even take it to the next level, because 
the way we had it the first time, it, the whole target was hit censored. And if you hit the target, it would drop. And we went out there with a uh, black Sharpie, magic markers, and we, we did the vital zone. If you hit right there, it'll be 10 points. If you shot him in the middle of the body, it'd be one. If you shot him in the rear end, it'd be nine. You know what I'm saying? So the problem was Bo Jackson was up during the Classic in the shooting competition. He shot, and the target went down. People were clapping and all that. Well, my scorer went out there, and there wasn't a hole in the target. And he came back to me and said, there's not a hole in the target. I said, well, you just saw it, and everybody else saw the, you know, the target go down. He said, well, I'll tell you, not a hole in I said, well, you tell Bo Jackson that he didn't hit that target. I wasn't mad enough to tell <laughs> Well, when we went back on camera and reviewed it, Bo had hit the dirt about 50 yards in front of it, and the dirt had spewed out on the target and made it drop. And I said, this isn't going to work. So uh-huh. Bo got me. with Seeing that on camera, I went to an electrical engineer in Tampa, Florida, to develop a black hit sensor pad. And that's when we started putting a physical black hit sensor pad on that. And that's when, if it struck it, it would, you know, either drop if it missed it it would stay up and that's how we got it started we started outdoors we had rifle pistol and bow and we did that for years but you just couldn't draw the fans out there it was too hot and you couldn't see so yeah. in 1991 i took it indoors and uh had all these synthetic plants and banners and all this going on and uh it's really it's it's the world's largest and biggest prize money tournament now and you got you know you got the lights the smoke and the whole nine yards now it's a it's a big event but all of that came from uh watching that uh, uh that movie dirty here that's excellent that sounds like uh just a full afternoon of entertainment right there <laughs> That's, it really is because the crowd gets in there and they walk in and go, oh, archery tournament. Boy, that's like watching paint dry. Not this one uh-uh. because the targets are popping up. And what the way I put it, and it's very easy visible, you're at home plate. You just put yourself in a baseball ring. You're at home plate standing on a tree stand. And I've got all these targets out here behind different scenes. There's a swamp scene. There's a corn field. There's a winter scene. You just go. And all these scenes are laid out in front of you. Uh, with, all, with each scene lit. And, you know, for a hunter, you got to have good recognition, good reflexes, and you got to be able to handle the pressure, buck fever. And that's what goes on. So the shorter the targets, you know, the 15-yard target might come up, and you might your peripheral vision, you might be looking down at the 60 yards. So if you don't see that thing come up, and then it's only going to stay up for four or five seconds. The further the target, the longer it stays up, the more points, and we got running targets that come through there. It's a pretty cool game. So uh, we, we've got all the... The, the athletic part of being a hunter put into a simulated game. Very, very cool. I love that. That's a great, brilliant idea. And it, it sounds well, like you had some great input in there from other people. And we got too. a lot of great sponsors. And, you know, these good old boys can win, you know, $15,000 check from us. And then their sponsors will match it. They can make fifty dollars to $100,000 off the weekend. That's awesome. Very cool. Uh, in 1987 was when you started the Buckmaster TV show, correct? That's right. Now, the when, pilot came out in 1988. The magazine came out in 87. Okay. The pilot was is, was in 88. And back mm-hmm. then, TV, and I want to kind of go back to what you talked about, about TV a, a little bit. There were very few channels to watch in the 80s. You, you, the cable revolution was just kind of beginning. It, uh, mm-hmm. you're, you're leaving the, the rabbit ears genre of TV, new television sets, um, new cable systems and uh, to even with the the advent of uh tbs and um the braves we used to be on every channel i remember from out of atlanta how tv has changed quite a bit since then and you you called it basically fragmented today. right where does it go from here with the advent of social media with the advent of the roku and the apple tv and uh youtube where you can produce your own tv show in a sense how is that going to play into the outdoor television genre yeah it's going to be interesting um i i've nobody's ready to pay for it's not it hadn't happened yet. Pay for pay on demand or whatever it's called. Right. Uh, that hadn't happened because uh, there's too much free content out there. So right. I think everybody's ready to go there. Uh, I don't see the networks going anywhere anytime soon. Uh, you know, I hope they don't. Uh, they give us a vehicle and promote us very well. The Outdoor Channel has done a, a wonderful job, and you know, you got other networks too. So, uh, but I don't know. It's going to be an interesting deal to see how how it all works and how the advertise. You know, outdoor television is all based on the advertisers. Where the advertisers think it's going to go. So, uh, you know, digital is still to be determined. Uh, you know, uh, as far as digital advertisers, and, you know, are they getting the response they want? So it's all driven by the advertising. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, what's the next move. Uh, we're, we're, we've got our website. We're doing, you know, 
uh, stuff on there and selling some digital advertising, but it's not not everybody's bought into it. Our, the digital advertising to me in our industry reminds me of 28 years ago trying to sell television advertising in a print industry. Uh, it was kind of like right. it was like you're going to do what? It's going to cost this to have a commercial? I said, yeah, and uh, but it, it was like pulling teeth. But now you know everybody you know wants to be part of television, but. You know, it's something we looked at, uh, but people still make their purchasing decision off print advertising, and right. that's the number one, and it's, and it's by two to one. And then you've got, you know, television and internet uh, now being pretty pretty close to being uh, the same. So I don't know. I just watch it. I just uh, I'm part of it. We're ready to go. You know, in different directions. We're you know we do Facebook. They even got me tweeting out there. So I even got people following <laughs> me on really? tweets. Oh God! Got you it's on like Twitter. glasses. I, I fought glasses until I was forty. It's like when you get forty, you'll need glasses. All right, right. give me some glasses. So, but the only way I could communicate with my kids is to start texting and stuff. And right. then, you know, I'm doing the Twitter stuff. And you know, I don't know if they like what I say, but I'm at least trying. So I'm just trying to keep up. I'm, I don't want to be one of those guys that get left in technology. So right, it sounds like you've always kind of kept your eye on the ball, so to speak, of the cutting edge of technology. You want to be in the forefront where the delivery systems were going to be. Well, I've always tried to hire the folks that kind of know what's going on there and just try to be there when it's ready. You know, uh, a lot of folks, oh, the print magazine will go away. You know, it's all going to go. Well, maybe it has in some other businesses. You know, maybe your newspapers, uh, you know, have gone, you know, that. But 98% of the folks still want their Buckmaster's print magazine. Okay. So right. until they tell me they want a digital magazine, uh, I will give them a digital magazine, but right now, ninety-eight point seven want their print magazine. Interesting. Is there a br- so still the the membership still wants the print? They want the print. Interesting. No, hey, our, we've got it. It's available, you know, digitally. But I mean, just I'm just saying that's our industry and our consumers, you know, five to ten years behind. It seems like on you know when things start going across. Yeah. I I I think that the the magazine has kind of fallen a, a bit, but there's still something very special about a magazine. I'm I'm more apt to hold on to it a lot longer than I ever yeah. have. I like right. the, it's it's because it's different now. Most of the stuff is being consumed online or on TV, but there's something special about a magazine because it sits around. It's different it sits than around. anything else I've got. And it's in more offices than you can imagine. Right. And you know, we call you know, we call the man cave office. There's a very popular spot sitting there. And then you've got the hunting camps where it can be and then at home, so Right. And when you're going online, you can get pieces of information. You can exactly. re- read a, a quick article. It's exactly. that's all about quick data input. You can sit back and enjoy a magazine, and it's just a different way to consume things. But I don't think it'll ever truly go away. I, I, I don't see it, and not in my lifetime compared to the percentage that want their print magazine. We were all prepared because yeah, you listen to a bunch of folks. Oh yeah, it's all going to go away. You know, and I have seen newspaper stuff go away because sure. newspaper is old news with the with the news part of it. I can understand that, and then having to go digital because by the time you pick up your morning paper, you've already read it on the internet of what happened or something. Right, so, that's news uh, of the day, not not uh, the stuff exactly. that, stuff in a magazine like with Buckmasters. That stuff is is kind of timeless in many exactly. ways. Exactly. And the pass around of the magazines is, is still out there. Right. So. Now, hey, we are still trying to figure out new ways and, and to come up with uh, more valuable content for this younger audience. If that's the direction sure. they're headed, we're ready for You're that. Ready. But, uh, but right now, we're we're there, but uh, the print's still there. You've got so in your research and development, that's kind of been incorporated. Yep. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Jackie, this has been awesome. Just, I love listening to you. You're, you have tons of great knowledge and insight, and you're, you're a brilliant man. And thank you for taking well, some time to be on the Big I Buck did, Podcast. You're quite welcome. As I said, call me at any time. And, you know, if, if somebody's listening, you know, I put my pants on like everybody else. I just happen to be on television. We've got a great organization. We would love for you for you to be part of it because it, 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 it means something to be part of Buckmaster. We're doing some good stuff out there, and uh, I can't please everybody. I know not everybody's a fan of the show, but, I mean, by God, I'm like Will Will Rogers. I hadn't met a man that I didn't that I don't like, and I, I always keep that. And I, and I hope right. people, you know, remember that's what we do here at Buckmasters and remember me. I still have a passion for it. But thank you for letting me be on the show, and hey. Anything I can do, all right. Those are some great words to to live by. Um, where can we reach you? Where can we s- still subscribe, become members? How do we how do we reach out Just to you? Go on. you? The easiest way is to go on Bachmasters.com. Okay. 
and there there's a membership right there that can you can join right online. Excellent, and then that'll and lead that's, us to all the other sites too, like the Facebook. Exactly, you got everything there on Buckmasters.com, and uh, we would love to have everybody as a member and tell your family and your friends about us. Excellent, and congratulations on your seven seventy five thousandth like on Facebook. By the way, I did see that the other day. Well, as I said, we just started growing that. I didn't yeah. know much about it, but I got a, a gentleman back there. Boy, he is taking that thing to the next level. So uh, uh, that's cool. I mean, I'm learning more about this social media as we as, as you and I talk. So yeah, it's I'll, uh, I'll figure it out for too long so yeah. but i'm tweeting and uh this weekend i i, I basically shoot the ultimate uh, as a kid i watched fred bear shoot a grizzly with a bow and i said i would love to be able to do that well this weekend on the jackie bushman show i got my first grizzly with a bow so Whoa, that's intense. that's my world series ring yeah i would say so that's ugh, yeah i don't know that's someday someday I'm, yep. I'm not sure i'm ready for it yet but that's that's an intense hunting right there exactly it's a whole different yep. game but do you have any if you had one one tip to share with a, a fellow hunter, what would it be? You know, people ask me that. I mean, there's so many tips out there to be a better hunter. But if I only had one, you got to get the wind direction right. That is the number one key in whitetail deer hunting. And I learned that as a as a person in a hunting camp when I used to just go. I already had my mind made up where I was hunting the next morning. And the old veteran there in the club, he never made his mind up till he got up that morning and checked the wind direction. And once I started doing that, I started becoming successful. And the wind is the number one key in whitetail deer hunting, if you're asking me for one tip. Check that wind direction. That'll tell you where you can go hunt. It'll tell you how to approach your stand, how to get out of your stand. But if you try to fight the wind with a whitetail deer, you're going to lose. And you're wasting your time because time is, is very special to a hunter who only can maybe hunt on the weekend and stuff. So set your stands up with different wind directions so you ha- at least have places to go hunt on a particular wind. Wind's number one in the game. Gotcha. Okay. that's I'm writing that down right now. Wind. Always remember the wind. Thank you for joining us on the Big Buck Podcast, and we'd love to talk to you again because I feel like we just barely touched on a lot of stuff. My pleasure. Thanks. Well, Dusty, I, I just can't thank Jackie enough for joining us on the Big Buck Registry, and, and I, I'm i glad we introduced him to the podcast interview style of things. Um, it's good to be the first again, you know? Oh, yeah, absolutely, you know? <clears throat> just an honor. Just an honor to have Jackie Bushman on our show, somebody that means so much to the hunting industry and somebody that uh, really formed and, and created this industry when it really wasn't much of anything. Um TV shows, media, uh, magazines, uh, and he's he's ch- changing everything now. Uh, he's getting into the social media and all that kind of stuff. So kudos to Jackie for staying ahead of the game, just the way he's always been. He likes to win. He's a winner. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and what Jackie's got going is phenomenal. Uh, you know, Buckmasters is, is doing a lot. You know, and I'll tell you this much: he don't like snakes. Right. Right. He, he's feared of snakes. I like that there are so many people that are loyal to him, not only for his community, but like the scoring people who score the big racks. Those people are some of the most loyal individuals I think I've ever met, including our good friend Ed Waite. Yeah, you know, Ed's been with him a long time and and just recently rounded off a thousand entries into the Buckmasters trophy record book. That's crazy. I mean, they love that job. And and just thank you so much to Jackie and everybody at Buckmasters for doing what you do and what you've done for the industry itself. Um, it's, uh, it's paved the way for so much more. So very cool. Uh, Dusty, what's going on at Chubby Times with the Chubby Times tip, tip of the week? You know, I, I got a pretty good tip here. It, this one I use, and, and it, it's really made a difference. And I'm going to throw this out there because it, it's, a, it's a factual, this is a fact tip. Okay. If, if you got your trees, you got your trail camera set right up where you either got a mineral, mineral lick out or a mineral block, you know, sometimes that, having it too close to your mineral, to your food source, you know, it's one thing to be on a food plot where you got a wide open area. You know, you got a plot in front of the camera that's pretty wide open. But if you you got deer coming down a, a main trail, a travel corridor, and you got a trail camera set right up on a mineral block or, or a food, if you're too close, the mature bucks are going back out on you. Gotcha. You know, the, the modern cameras are pretty slick, but you're still walking in there. You still got to check that camera. You're still in the area quite often. You know, maybe just back it up 15 yards. Get it down the trail a little bit that they're normally walking in on. Just back it away and, and don't get in that comfort zone. Okay. Check. It's on my list of things not to screw up this fall. Awesome. 
Yeah, just something that trial and error that you know. I, I used to set right up on the on on my mineral block. Yeah, or on my you know if I dump mineral oil on the ground, I used to set the camera right over it. Well, I'd have a mature buck come in, but he'd always stay 15, 20, 25 yards out. Okay. I'd catch him on the camera, but I didn't get the close-up where I could actually see exactly what that buck was. You know, everybody says, you know, I'll put it right on top of it so you can see what's going on. Well, yeah, that's great. But if you got a buck that's a little bit skittish, he knows something ain't right. Okay. So, you know, just back it away. Get get it out of the comfort zone. Let him come in and be comfortable either at a salt lick, a mineral block, or a corn pile, whatever you got out. Just back your camera up a little bit. It, it may help you. Good idea. Awesome. All right. Chubby Tines tip of the week. What's going on at the Big Buck Registry, Jay? Well, we've got, uh, we had that wonderful letter from Mark Simon earlier to tell us that he's uh, had a good interaction with uh, Carrie and Billy down there in Iowa. So that was pretty cool. I was just a guest on the Carrie Z podcast, talking about other podcasts that we listen to, anything from hunting podcasts to rock and roll podcasts to how to podcast podcasts. Kind of cool. So this is like your second or third time with Carrie Z, right? Second. Yep. I'm I'm jealous. Like Carrie, what's up? I don't know. She, uh, I think she needed a male voice, not only for the show, but she wanted a uh, commercial done. So I said, yeah, absolutely. I'll do that for you. No problem. Right on. Yep. So hopefully that leads to some other big things down the road. But I'm thinking maybe I should do some voiceovers for some other people. Hey, it was my first voice acting gig. It's like, all right, right I'm a voice actor now. So you're ready to do it some more. I am. I'm ready to continue on. Awesome. With my voice acting career. So but, uh, how can we reach you over at Chubby Tines Outdoors? Facebook.com forward slash Chubby Tines Outdoors. You know, and I got something else I'm working on right now, Dusty mm. Hunt Neck. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> this is the uncensored version of Dusty Phillips. Yeah, you know, trying some new things out. And everybody says that, you know, every time I talk to you, Dusty, you know, my face hurts from laughing. I, I just, it, it caught up with me. I kept hearing that. Just kept, it kept coming back around. Like I'd hear, you, you know, you're the funniest guy I've ever known. You, you, you're the craziest guy I've ever met. So why not start a page called Dusty Hunt Neck? You might be a hunt neck. You know, it's a comedian page. And, and check me out on Facebook, Dusty Hunt Neck. Dusty Hunt Neck. All right. Ch- check out Dusty, the uncensored Dusty Phillips. That's awesome. Uh, let's see, at uh, Bug, Big Buck Registry, a uh, couple places you can go. The best, the bit, most popular thing to do at the Big Buck Registry right now is to submit a deer picture. I didn't think it would last this long, to be honest. I didn't think we were, there were enough people that still hadn't submitted their buck and were well in, late into the summer season. I didn't think we'd get enough pictures coming out of the fall before to actually continue to post five bucks a day. But we do. And I've got enough bucks to lead us all the way into the next deer season. That's five bucks. Five bucks, baby. Every day. Every single day. Five bucks. <laughs> and so if you want to do that, the best place to go to is bigbuckregistry.com forward slash my buck. You can check out the five buck menu right there at the Big five Buck, buck Registry. All the instructions are right there for you to use and follow the instructions. That's my hint. If you want to get your picture submitted, because if you don't follow the instructions, I apologize, but we just don't have time to constantly write back to tell you how to do it right. So just follow the pattern, see what everybody else is doing, do what they're doing, and chances are your deer will get on the page as well. Uh, as far as like websites, bigbuckregistry.com, 724-613-2825. Leave some feedback about this show or any other one. And if you'd like to follow us on iTunes, www.bigbuckregistry.com forward slash iTunes or on Stitcher, www.bigbuckregistry.com forward slash S-T-I-T-C-H-E-R. That's it, Dusty. Awesome. You know, check out Big Buck Registry. Check out Chubby Times Outdoors. Dusty Hunt Nick. Hunt. I'm Jay Scott. And I'm Dusty Phillips. This is the Big Buck Registry's Big Buck Podcast. See you next week. Can't wait. Can't wait.